Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MMM podcast. Today is a very special edition of it in that we are taping live on site at the Point of Care Communication Council 2019 Industry Summit. Um, it's the first industry summit, I believe, for Point of Care Communication Council, POC3. And we have with us Mike Collette, who's not just the founder and CEO of Patient Point, but also the co-chair of POC3. Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for joining us roughly 22 minutes before you <laughs> have to go on stage. stage. Well, I'm going to be watching the clock out of, out of the corner of my eye, but yes. Absolutely. Happy to so, be here. So, so it'll be something of a turbo version yeah. of our podcast yeah. as well. But Mike, thank you so much for being here. For sure. Um, the first question is about today. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but um, give me your kind of big picture take. You know, we've got about 150 people here. Um, there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of energy in the room. Um, from where you're sitting, how uh, how's this going? It's going fantastic. And as we said, um, talking a little bit earlier, today I think is really the day that, that point of care you know, came of age, mm-hmm. right? Because if you, if you look at all of the, uh, all the people that have been come together, the hard work that's gone into drafting the guidelines, um, it's just it's unlike any event. We have had events in the past, but nothing of this magnitude. And I think the fact that it coincided with the release of the new guidelines last week, is what truly made this, you know, this event different. And I think that we're at a point now where you're going to see point of care become a mainstream medium that's bought the same way that TV, radio, print, and other other, you know, traditional media forms are, are bought as well. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the one of the concepts that resonated with both of us from one of the earlier sessions was mm-hmm. that final mile. You know, so much of healthcare marketing communication is directed around Let's get the person to get to have that conversation with the doctor. But right. here's point of care. In a lot of instances, you know, you're sitting right outside that initial conversation. And um, ha- has it been properly taken advantage of as a channel? Ha- have the, you know, inherent opportunities that are right there. I mean, has anyone really realized them as well as they could be? No, is yeah. the short answer. Short answer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's, if you sort of look at the CPG, consumer packaged goods, uh, analogy. They they have this very well developed. They call it the path to purchase, right? And the exact same analogy exists in the pharma business, which is you know path to therapy or path to prescribing. And you would never see any CPG brand that would not be doing in store uh, advertising, right? And it's sort of the same way with pharma that that you know think of all this messaging that goes into saying ask your doctor ask your doctor and then they go into the physician's practice and then you don't want to influence them at you know or deliver a reminder message right there at that point in time it's just counterintuitive right you'd want to close that's the point at which you can really close the transaction which is again the same way that cpg companies have looked at it for years with this whole you know path to purchase right so I think the other thing I would add that makes it more difficult with pharma is that a lot of the brand names, we're not talking Tide and Crest here, right? We're, we're, exactly. we're talking brands that are oftentimes very difficult. And we've had doctors say, you know, 
they can't remember the brand name, but they'll start describing the ad, or it's the pup, it's one of the puppies, or it's the wolf that's breathing, or it's that little cartoon, <laughs> or it's the the balloons and the kids are all right, or, or the elephant sitting on the person's chest. Yeah. Hopefully, so, hopefully nobody's it, talking yeah. about the one like there's they're on a beach and everybody's wearing white clothing and like that could be exactly. a thousand different brands. And so the physicians like racking there was like gosh, I'm trying to remember like what what they're talking about, right? <laughs> but I think that's the other benefit, particularly when it comes to pharma, is that that a lot of the uh, brands just because they don't have that you know 20 year heritage that a lot of the you know consumer goods brands have so I think it's even more important to deliver a reminder message at, at, at the point of care you know for that reason so that they can then remember the brand before they go actually have that encounter you know in, in a way another thing that came out when um, I was listening to a couple of the sessions was that you know the point of you know, POC3 and you know any of the numerous affiliated you know companies um, I mean, it's almost like pharma doesn't have the excuse anymore, right? You know, there's we've set up this network with these new guidelines. There is very clear verification and validation standards. I mean, is that almost a pitch that you can go to certain marketers that have maybe been reluctant with? Be like, listen, you know, you asked for this. We gave you this. You asked for this. We gave you this. Um, is that one of the things that the new guidelines, the guidance provides? No, I think you're exactly right, Larry, is that, is that you, you can't feel, you know, oftentimes you, you begin to invest more heavily when you can have confidence that you're getting what you're, you know, what you've paid for. And I would describe sort of phase one of, of point of care is uh, maybe more experimental. Some, some companies certainly went in deeper and made a bigger commitment to it. Um, but I think that phase two of, of point of care now is going to be I, mean, I can't remember the ZS study, I think said 40% of brands yep. are now spending there. So I think now's the point that you're going to begin to see that number get up into the, you know, 70, 80% uh, number because of the fact that they have the same kind of standards that every other, you know, mainstream media channel has and, and point of care will just be considered part of the regular planning mix right? where I think in the past it's, it's been thought of maybe the way that digital was in its very early stages. As, as an adjunct yeah. rather than as something which is just one of the it, options it, that you're always going to avail yeah, yourself it, of. It, it, it's part of the way that you, you know, you, again, that you spend, it's the, the bottom of the funnel, right? You're spending all of this time to drive uh, patients in to ask about about your, your brand, isn't it? Doesn't it stand to reason that you'd want to deliver that reminder message right there at that moment, right before the, the encounter? Absolutely. Um, in terms of, you know, I, I think it was alluded to very kind of obliquely at the start of the events today. But, um, you know, there was a triggering event of sorts, you know, when Outcome Health had its issues two years ago, which I believe, you know, are very much in the rearview mirror, you know, new leadership, new everything else. In a way, was was can you almost trace where we are today back to that, back to a place where, you know, had this not been unveiled, you know, a lot of people might have just gone, well, everything's working the way it's supposed to work. I mean, you know, instead we've got this extremely vibrant community, these guidelines in place that say, here's what you need to do. Here's what everything means down to specific definition for a word like location or provider or anything else. Yeah. Um, do, do you, is there a kind of a genesis there? It, no question. I mean, I think that was the, it, at the time it, it, it was, it was very a very painful time, right? Because there was a lot of suspicion and doubt, and the first thing, not in, for obvious reasons, you want to say, "Boy, is is this a 
a broader issue, right? A broader industry issue. So, so there were a lot of tough questions asked. There was a lot of scrutiny. I think some some uh, companies paused on investment until they could gather more facts. And now, looking back, it, you know that incident was probably the best thing that ever happened to the industry because I think what it did is it served as a catalyst to really bring the industry together and and decide, okay, we've you know. We've got to figure out how we can agree to, you know, the same kind of, you know, guidelines and verification validation guidelines that every other industry has. So, it, it, again, at the time, nobody wanted it at the time. It, it, nobody wanted it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think now, looking back, it was it was a real turning point in the industry. Yeah. I'm um, actually transitioning from sort of the larger industry concerns to your role at uh, Patient Point. Mm -hmm. um, Get to walk me through your thinking at that point. You know, um, you know, you have this big thing. You know, you have a company that's exceedingly well regarded, successful, been around for a while. Um, when something like this happens, you know, how, how do you? I mean, not to reduce this to feelings, but mm -hmm. how do you feel? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Or do you kind of see it as like, all right, this is a hand we've been dealt. Let's get to work. Yeah. Probably the first thing you do is you, you get done answering all the investor calls, yeah, right? Wow. So that, that's, that's the first. <laughs> Nuts and, then, and bolts. And then after that, yeah, exactly. But but it, it, um, it, I think shock is probably the initial you know reaction, right? But then you sort of move pretty quickly into okay, action and and how are we gonna how are we gonna move forward? And I think you know at the time it, it was really making sure that we met with all of our clients and reassured them that you know we've you're been, getting what you pay yeah, for you're basically. getting what page for we, we you know we've been doing these processes for years but but it was it was a a, a lot of reassuring mm -hmm. um and so that's sort of at the individual company level right and what became very clear as we talked to more and more uh, clients is that it, it needed to go beyond that right that this needed to be much more of an industry-wide initiative because they didn't want to have to go through the process of, of, you know, having to personally become sort of the de facto auditing firm. If you look at the agency, yeah. right, you're, you're, in the absence of having that third party independent, um, you know, stamp of approval, right, that it, it, it puts the burden back on the agency to do all that work. Mm -hmm. So it, it became very clear that we were going to need an, an industry wide solution that, that we could all abide by. And that that sort of started the process. And. You know, it was more difficult and took a lot longer um, for a host of reasons, not the least of which is the, is the diverse types of offerings yeah. that you find in point of care. There, there's lots of different kinds of offerings. And so that was probably one of the things that was, if you, if you talk to the members of the committee, that, that was one of the most difficult things to work through. It's how do you find a, a set of guidelines that can appeal or, or apply to all the various media platforms that are out there at point of care you know it's funny you know in that you know when you were speaking i thought of one of the slides that we saw today in which they said for the um, poc3 buyer's guide that was done maybe a little over a year ago year and a half ago it said it was all right it was the poc council and pretty much poc council doing it and then for the public comment there was the poc council the new industry council the new verification and validation committee yep. i mean it seems that the doors have been so much wider open and the industry is probably a lot stronger for it yeah agreed no no question and you know the buyer's guide was uh, I, I think you know it was 1.0 right and it was probably the best we could have done within the short amount of time that we felt compelled to get something out but 
it, it was not nearly as robust enough as as what the industry was seeking. And so, um, you know, and we received feedback to that. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, we, you got to take it up a notch, right? right? <laughs> so, the feedback. so, so I think that, it, you know, if you look at sort of these new guidelines, and I, I think you heard several of the auditing companies yeah. state the fact that, that they feel like these are among some of the most rigorous guidelines among all the, the, uh, platforms that they've mm-hmm. media, media channels and platforms that they've looked at. So I think, I think it's something that we should feel really proud of as an industry. And, uh, a lot of work went into that. It's very detailed. It's very comprehensive. But it's also easy to understand. You know, it's funny when um, I'm forgetting his name, but the um, head of the verification and validation um, committee spoke in the last panel. Um, he said it's a very dense document. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that's fairly amazing that it really doesn't read like a dense document. You know, no. we, we we spoke yeah. about this. The two of us spoke about this on Friday when it was formally released. And you know, it's 15 pages, and anything that's 15 pages long, you know, it's not you know, it's not light reading before bed or anything. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very clear. You know. Everything is where it should be. Yeah. I mean, was there a conscious effort to make sure that document came across that way? I, I think it was, it, if it's 75 or 100 pages, our, our feeling was nobody's going to read it, yeah. right? So it's how can we put it together in a, as concise as possible? So I know even though 15 to seven, whatever it is, 17 pages seems long, it, it was, relatively speaking, for the amount of detail that needed to get covered, it's it's... Feel streamlined. Yeah, it's they did. A, I thought a very good job of, of making it readable, right? So that that's something that you know you can sort of read through and and to your point, if you, if you want to drill into a particular section to understand what the policies or what the guidelines are, it's pretty easy to find. You know, it's fairly intuitive to understand where you would find it, right? So. Uh, you know, kudos to the committee, right? And they they had editors go through it who knew nothing about the industry, which I thought was interesting. All these words, to, yeah, people, to, I tell to, you. Well, and also to see if they could understand it, right? So, so I think they a real effort was made to, um, you know, in addition to fiction, grammar, and punctuation, to, to make sure that it would could be understood easily. Uh, by even by somebody who wasn't that familiar with the industry. So I, as I said, I think that the committee and when I say the committee, it's not only the uh, the POC three members that form the committee and the auditing committees that uh, auditors that serve on on that committee, but all the industry advisory yeah. council members as well, which are comprised of all the agency and, and, and pharmaceutical uh, partners that give us that feedback. All right. Um, one last question about POC3. Um, what, what's next? Um, this is certainly a huge thing that had been this first of all today, but also the guidance last week that came out, something that had been anticipated for a long time and obviously a large amount of work went into it. What's the next area that you, you know, as co-chair, would like to see the organization turn its turn its attention to? So I think that that, you know, beyond the feedback that we're obviously going to get and the continuous improvement that, that's going to be put against the guidelines, uh, I think the next most important um, area that we're really focusing on now is involving providers in the same way that we've involved our our you know agency and, and pharmaceutical partners. And so there's actually going to be a mirror council that will be formed. So instead of the industry advisory council, it's going to be a provider advisory council that's going to be comprised of you know health system executives, um, you know patient advocates. Um, uh, uh, you know, practicing providers mm-hmm. um, so that they can be giving us feedback about things that they would like to see. And, and in some of the earlier sessions today, you, you heard them talk about workflow 
And if you, if that word is such an important word, right? And it's a it's, loaded word, it's, too. Yeah, look, it's like <laughs> if, if it takes me two more seconds, right, I am not going to do it, right? So really making sure that we're finding things that can help them in their daily practice without interrupting or slowing down their, their daily workflow, right? And, and I think that's really important, that, that call it integration into clinical workflow. And then the other area, probably the other big word that you continue to hear is personalization. And so I think that's the next frontier of, of point of care where, you know, imagine being able to walk back and actually have the screen be able to say, you know, welcome Larry, you know, here's some content your doctor would like you to enjoy during, you know, prior to, you know, the visit today, right? Mm -hmm. And and that that personalization levels, I think, sort of the next evolution of where you're going to see it go to. Um, before I let you go, um, mm -hmm. and I know we're going to let you go to t to talk to people yeah, that are exactly much smarter right. than I am. Yeah. Um, patient point, give us a quick state of the union. Yeah, so it's the company has been been growing rapidly. We we did a a raise uh, probably two years ago, which was specifically designed to continue to accelerate. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, recruitment of more provider locations, particularly in some some key specialties that we were really focused on, oncology probably being one of the biggest ones. And you know, we, we see that as 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 really the important uh, next step is how do we continue to grow uh, that call it our you know provider footprint, right? And and we look at it for two ways. Number one, obviously, is that's the most important way that we grow as a company, but also, you know, going to our mantra of you, we make every doctor patient engagement better. It's also the way that we touch more patient lives. And the thing that we don't talk a lot about, and this sort of goes back to the provider piece is that unlike traditional out of home media, there's a true benefit that comes from these programs. I mean, we, in the same way that we can read, um, data to suggest or to show that we can generate incremental you know, prescriptions for pharma companies, we can also show that we can generate uh, incremental colonoscopy, you know, screening rates, we can, you know, increase the percentage of patients who are getting hemoglobin A1C tests, reduce the prescription of opioids, there's a new study that uh, it's a press release on our site, you can find out on that. Um, and then um, essentially uh, um, immunizations, so all of those things that are that are so important, I think, get helped as as you know companies continue to grow right it's a point of care we can continue to expand our footprint so that sounds like you know not only is it a you know fun time to be in this business but also kind of a rewarding one you know a lot of the programs especially mentioned at the end there yeah and i think that's what it is and we are passionate about it right we're growing a business but there's just such a tangible patient benefit that's coming out of this right that, that it really makes you feel good about what you're doing as a company and and we are very mission driven driven company from that sense um, and and I think that's one of the things that really excites people about about you know working for patient point is they, they really feel like they're they're playing a role in as I said making every doctor patient engagement better right. Mike thank you so much for your time here today um, I promise nobody at MMM will call you for at least two days yeah, right? exactly yeah. uh, really appreciate I it, it I'll thank go you. run up on the stage we gave you a couple minutes leeway here <laughs> yeah sounds great no, I appreciate it thank right. you so much thanks so much this is Larry Dobro from the MMM podcast uh, thanks for listening and come back on for next week for another issue episode two take care <laughs> bye <laughs>